Welcome to the Pod on the Dog episode three. I am Verity Hardcastle. You can find me at Verity Hardcastle on Instagram to follow all the latest shenanigans in Dogdom. Today, I'm joined by the newest Artero team member, an Asian grooming enthusiast who's one creative babe. We've crossed paths in the grooming ring before, but our first proper meeting was on the set of Pooch Perfect, where we were both thrown under the bright lights of the TV screen. This talented lady has a lineage in Bichons and showing, and her grooming salon is Louisiana. And and it's one big family affair. So, Borida to Georgia Fuller. Good morning, Verity. How are you? (laughs) Good morning. I'm really well. Are you? I'm good, thank you. Good. So I am drinking a cup of coffee this morning because it's actually just before 8am because we're like ships in the night, me and Georgia. We're both busy ladies. So we've managed to catch each other and sit down and have a little chat. So you may have a clue where Georgia is from by her introduction and her beautiful accent. But Georgia, tell me, where are you based? And how about how did you end up working with all your family? So I am based in South Wales in a little town called Clackley. I won't ask you to pronounce that. <laughs> um, I started working with my mother about, I'd say about 10 years ago. I kind of like fell into it. She didn't want me to be a dog groomer. Mm. So I took my own path. Um, but yeah, we've, we've actually recently started working in the same salon again now. So it is massive, big family affair. Oh, that's so lovely. And you can always, you know, rely on your family. And also I feel like you can boss your mum about a bit. Do you do, you do that? Oh, God, yeah, and find you the boss. So, yeah, she's in my salon now. Yeah. <laughs> That's to do what I say. And you have two sisters. Around. You have two sisters as well, don't you? Yeah, two sisters who have been groomers. Um, they've recently had babies, so they're off on maternity. Um, I don't know what they're going to do. They might not come back to dog grooming, so that'll be interesting to see mm-hmm. what they do. But otherwise, yeah, we're all dog groomers. My husband, my brother-in-law, and my best wow. friend. <laughs> and congratulations, Auntie Georgia. I know, finally an auntie. <laughs> so delightful and I think that actually dog grooming is a really good job that you can work around having children so they may do because it's oh, uh, you can just book your clients around pick up from nursery and things like that can't you oh gosh yes definitely so you grew up around show dogs but your grooming style typically isn't breed standard grooming so how do you forge your own path and more importantly what did your mum and dad think about your style of grooming <laughs> Oh gosh, when I first introduced them to Asian foods and they were like, this is completely wrong. My dad was like, George, these dogs don't look like breed standards because obviously he's a crafts judge. He's judged all his life. He's really into like the structure of how a breed should look. Mm. My mother's more the fluffier side. So she was like, okay, I can see what you're trying to do, but I don't know if this is right. (laughs) (laughs) So I was just like, bear with me. When I get it, I'll get it. But until then, just, just let me fail and let me rise as, as I go so my initial thoughts were it's wrong which a lot of people think Asian fusion is wrong which it is to be honest but once you kind of get a love for it you kind of thrive all the way and you want to push it to its extreme that it can be pushed to mm. so yeah they all love it now <laughs> finally and and how did you find I mean how did you fall upon Asian style grooming and, and realize that you know you have this big love for it I think being um a competitive groomer in workshop you kind of wanted to push yourself to something else I didn't want to do breed standards I don't really enjoy doing breed standard grooms so every day is pet day you know so 
doing workshop classes. You just wanted to just edge yourself out. So I fell onto mm. Asian through like Instagram, Facebook, all the little videos just come up from like across the border. And I thought, do you know what? I'm going to give it a go. So that's when I stepped into the Asian ring and I kind of like learned from there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think it had a, a moat probably when you started. It was more heavy on Pinterest. Yeah. Quite a lot of images I noticed on Pinterest, wasn't there? And, and we were like, yeah. oh, what's this? And how did they get such an amazing finish on these dogs? Yeah, definitely. That's the hard part. Yeah. And then when you watch them, they do spend an awful lot of time, don't they? Just really perfecting those faces, getting every hair perfect with those fine combs, just lifting Definitely. and placing every hair into place right oh god yeah it's like an art fine art them it we is because, time. no exactly <laughs> you know when you've got marjorie coming in an hour and a half yeah. why doesn't mine look the same <laughs> no. if i wanted to start doing some more creative styles and grooms and really start thinking out of the box do you have any tips that would help me uh, how do i find my signature style um, I think finding your signature style takes a long time. Um, but for inspiration and stuff, again, like social media is such a big thing. Mm. Not copying, but trying to take little bits from each section. Like I've got like these funky leggings. Do you know, like stuff from you buy stuff in shops and then you go back thinking, actually, that'd quite look quite cool on a dog. So that's mm. how I get my inspiration from. It's like even walking, do you know, like find leaves, how they fall. I think I'm going to try that on a dog or a bunch mm. of flowers. I recently did a spiral of a bunch of flowers and then flowers were actually given to me by a client. So it, little things like that you find inspiration in and that's, we just go with it really, just go wild. I think nature's a really good place to look for inspiration, Definitely. isn't it, with creative grooming? Because uh, I think like you say, flowers, they come in so many forms and the colours are so beautiful and, and vibrant and they look, they look really nice in grooming. And a lot of people seem to take a lot from nature when you see their creative grooms, whether it's yeah. an under the sea theme or, or, or bees or anything. It's, uh, there's a lot of looking at nature, isn't there? Oh, definitely, yeah. And there's some wacky things out there that you can try and comprehend in your grooms. That's really interesting to know. Mm. So you've got so much going on at the moment. New ventures with Artero. So congratulations for that, Georgia. You've got a really busy business to run. You're renovating your house with your husband. Uh, What does a typical day look like in the Fuller household? Oh, God, like a ball of fuzz. Honestly, (laughs) (laughs) literally non-stop from the moment I get up to the moment I go to bed I literally mm. do not stop and I don't know what I will do when I do finish all these little ventures <laughs> because I just probably start something new that's just the way I've always been and the yeah. way I think I thrive in in all the not drama I'd say but the excitement of starting new things yeah. so the busy life you like to be busy Georgia oh definitely I've got to be busy can't sit still you're not a Netflix and chill sort of girl. No, I'm definitely not a Netflix and chill girl. <laughs> <laughs> Been around dogs all your life, and it's testament to say that you must love them. You haven't run a mile away from your family, <laughs> and there'll there be chance. <laughs> but what would you say were your proudest moments, your your standout moments? Proudest moments for me, I've got I've got a few because I'm quite a grateful person so everything I do I'm super mm. proud of everything I you do you are grateful often. actually Georgia I've noticed that you're really really humble and really grateful oh, thank you thank you no I try to be that's the way I try to be in life so I'm proud of like loads of things but I think winning best in show in Major Mania and best international was one has got to be 
top, I think, for me at the moment. But then I'm very proud of myself for going to Thailand because not a lot of people know this, but I'm quite an anxious person. So the first day in Thailand on my course, I wanted to quit because that's, if I don't feel right, I just want to end it, put a stop to it. And I was like, my husband's like, do it, do it, do it. And I was just so proud that I actually went back because I was adamant. I wasn't. After the first day, I was like, I'm not going back. It's not for me. I don't enjoy it. Mm. I'm not doing it. So I'm just proud of everything, really. I know it sounds cheesy as hell, but I'm proud of everything. No, so you should be. I mean, I think that you've really forged a, a, a massive path for yourself and, you know, you've become a household name in the grooming industry. And I think that's really testament to how hard you've worked and, you know, and putting yourself out of, outside of the box and, you know, going to Thailand and doing these new ventures, which must have, you know, with the language barriers and, you know, cultural differences and everything that must have been standing in that grooming salon must have just been like, oh my goodness, what am I doing? It was, it was very overwhelming. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, I think it, what an amazing experience and so many people are looking over to Thailand at the moment for their styling and, and the and the start name for things like that. Yeah, definitely. It was very interesting, but I'm so glad I've done it. Mm. So let's talk socials. Uh, it's a long old slog gaining followers on Instagram and retaining a really good social following. You're so great and you post really lovely content. You're engaging. As I say, you're always really humble. Do you have any tips for anyone wanting to grow their social channels? With Instagram and obviously social media, you've got to have time. I think that's the main thing. I seem to post a lot at night, but there are little tips you can get from Instagram help that let you know when's the best time to to post and what taglines are best to use. So I think using them are easier to start off with but otherwise just just being yourself like Mm. the most simplest little instagram stories seem to get me the most interaction when you just think oh everyone knows how to clip a dog then not not everyone does know how to clip a dog in a certain way so i think you've just got to try and post as much as possible as interesting as possible and foremost the care of the dog that people see on Mm -hmm. instagram they absolutely love which what we do as groomers every day. And we all sit there. We do stroke dogs. We do cuddle dogs. It's not a job we used to do that all day, every day. But it's nice for people to see that there is a nicer, softer side along with the getting pulled on and the getting a bit side as well that you share very little of. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Posting every day is, is a key, but you've got to have time. Like, yeah. I don't post every day. It's hard. But, yeah, if you can make time for Instagram every day, your followers will soon jump up yeah I agree I think that when you're starting you do need to post once a day and try keep yeah. your stories and and like you say Georgia like keep it real yeah keep it real I see so many business pages that pop up and I'll have a little look at them you know if I get a follow from it I'll always have a little look through and I notice my my number one standout thing is there's no you know there's beautiful grooms but there's no personality I yeah. don't see who's grooming these dogs I want to see everyone's beautiful faces, you know, smiling and enjoying their work and cuddling the dogs, like you say. And um, you just end up with a reel of beautiful dogs. And I really appreciate that. But I just I want to see the person behind this business. Who is this groomer? Because, you know, a lot of them, you don't even know who they are. No, I completely agree. You've got to show your personality. And however much you don't like selfies, not selfie here and there is uh, very helpful for other people. I just think, you know, one or two days a week, I'll just try and make an effort and put some slap on for work. And they're the days that I'll just try to do a selfie with the dog. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's very rare for me. 
We're not all beautiful like you. <laughs> oh, babe, stop. You so are. You're just too busy. <laughs> I'm just so busy. <laughs> oh, so we're, we're easing out of lockdown at the moment. And obviously, we've had such a big effect on our businesses and also side projects, hasn't it? We've not been able to go to any shows, anything like that. Yeah, see now you're on team Artera as well. What does 2021 and 2022 hold out for you, Georgia? What's on your new goals list? Oh gosh, it's a hard question because I've got so much I want to do in life. Mm-hmm. But again, it's like setting goals and like how far you want to push it. So I don't know at the moment. Artera was a huge shock for me um, because obviously I am a creative boomer. I'm not. I'm not a breed standard specialist. So obviously it was a massive shock to be asked for that. So I don't know what other goals are at the moment. I'm just going to try and ride it out. I'm going to try and enjoy myself a little more. I think lockdowns proved that, that you can just take a little bit of a step back and realise what you have got and what you can focus on. So I think if I give my 110% to our terror at the moment so then I could just see what where that takes me it might take me abroad I mean, you just don't know don't know where it'll take me so I'm just gonna just enjoy myself keep my busy business busy and just see what surprise surprises come my way and you've got a house to finish as well and I've got a house to finish which is really important <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna try and get in a house yeah also, I would say you're such a positive person, Georgia. You give off such lovely, warm, positive vibes. How do you stay positive and driven in this really upside downsy world we're living in? Oh, gosh. Do you know, I don't know. I don't know how I stay so positive and upbeat because sometimes it's hard. It is hard. We all have hard days. We all have hard weeks. It is really daunting at times, especially lockdown when I was literally pulling my hair out because I did not know what to do with myself. Mm. But then I thought, well, instead of sitting down and doing nothing, let's try and be different and get known and get seen. So that's why I was doing like free lives, did webinars. I just groomed my dogs in front of the camera, which people just absolutely adored. Did like introductions for simple basic grooming for customers. So they interacted with me then more. Then they bought shampoos, brushes, combs. So I was trying to keep an income going. I think that's just the way I am. I try little things. I flew off with full of frills I was smashing full of frills out just to try and get an income because I support my husband as well so I had to pay his wage (laughs) while he sat in the front room and did nothing so I was like I'm not having this I've got to try and make a wage and try and keep myself busy so that's the way I did it and it flew by flew by (laughs) this is this is how I work as well I kind of like throw a load of stuff at the wall and see what sticks yeah exactly exactly that <laughs> that's my Any, life <laughs> anything that falls off I'm like well just let's just uh, skip over that and pretend that never happened yeah, nobody <laughs> needs to know about that <laughs> so okay. I'm not sure what your dms look like Georgia but mine are filled with doggy questions and I can bet yours probably do too so mm-hmm. I thought it would be really great to try and answer some of these on the pod so how do you feel about hashing out some of these doggy dilemmas with me Okay, go. (laughs) (laughs) Also, straight out of the traps, I just want to add that we're answering these doggy questions as dog owners, as experienced dog people, but I'm not a qualified dog behaviorist, so we'll just give you our take, our experiences, and do with it what you will. So my first question, hey, Verity, I've had quite a difficult cockapoo client, so any advice that you can give would be much appreciated. My client really doesn't like grooming. He's okay with the bath, but the minute I get him on the table, he's so stressed and anxious. 
I try and give him lots of breaks. I try to only reward the good behavior. He really hates the dryer. He's trying to attack it. And again, with the clippers and the scissors, he cries when you scissor any part of him, especially his legs and the clippers. He just tries to attack them at times. He just goes straight to defense mode with everything, drying him and scissoring his face are the most difficult parts for me. And he doesn't like his head being touched and his mummy nose lap. I mean, she even said to me herself that he's a groomer's nightmare. (laughs) Beard hold is an absolute no-no and he just fights the whole way through and tries to bite my hand. The last time I saw him, he was slightly better with the dryer, put up up some less, less resistance, but we took fewer breaks. But I just want to get him comfortable and into a less stressed place. He may not even be perfect, but just for his stress levels and health and mine, I'll do anything to try and make it more comfortable. He's only just turning a year old, so we've got a long way to go in the grooming game. Bit of a ramble, but I hope this is okay. Thank you, love, Kerry. Oh, gosh, handful. That is a handful. Yeah, well, just turning a year old shouts like warning signs to me at the moment because obviously we've been in lockdown so I'd class that down as a lockdown puppy which mm. are not as sociable as what they would have been a couple of years ago do you know what I mean you got dog training classes the whole interaction with even walking on the streets and stopping to people they don't have that now so for me that would be a lockdown puppy nightmare <laughs> Yeah, um, and also people are masked, aren't they? I think that yeah, um, dogs scary. aren't able to read people anymore. No, definitely not. Um, I would work with a client, and she might have done this, I don't know, um, but I would probably get the dog to come in once a week just to walk around the reception, or if you've got a reception area, or if you've got a grooming area, just five, ten minutes, come in, treat them, leave the dryer on in the background, leave the clippers on the floor so it's vibrating like mad, and then just try and, like set them into the noises or even tell the owner to get electric toothbrush and just use the electric toothbrush around the dog at home. If that, Otherwise, I'm not, I, it's just working with the client and the dog, yeah. isn't it? Because I think, I think client, the techniques you said there are really, are really good. They're like desensitization techniques, yeah, aren't they? Just it. trying to make small positive um, yeah. sorts of situations for the dog. Yeah, and it's working with the client so because if she knows the dog's nightmare, she might hold off a couple more weeks when it's not really ideal. You want to see the dog more, not like, oh, you know, once or six months, I should shave it off because the dog's nightmare. We yeah. want to try and work with them as well. So it's just it's hard. Yeah, if you hold off those two weeks, then they're going to get knottier, yeah. which means that the brushing, which they may not, might be a trigger for them, it's yeah. going to be, you know, rather than just being able to dry them, you're going to end up having to brush out little tiny tangles. Yeah, definitely. And I also find sometimes cockles don't like to be high up. I know this sounds really strange. So I tend to lower my table down. Mm-hmm. So just like chest height. And then you just kind of like, not, obviously I'm a big girl, so I can overpower a dog, but like you kind of like your shadow, like gives them the the, mm-hmm. the depth that they need to feel comfortable in. Mm-hmm. So I tend to like make myself feel like yeah. And then I feel like they, they kind of like sit into me then. Mm-hmm. So they like come to my chest, and I dry them as they're like holding me. Because yeah. some dogs then have been so close to their customers, they don't like to be away from a person. So if you're, you know, I take the noose off, mm-hmm. I let them sit on the table. And most of the time I just dry them when they're laying down. But they're literally laying on my belly while I dry. Yeah, so if they feel like down. they're getting that comfort yeah. from you. They so probably can feel that your heart rate's low. You're in a yeah. calm place. Keeping yourself calm, breathing is like the most. Don't get, If you get frustrated, put the mm-hmm. dog down and yeah. go make yourself a cup of tea. 
because otherwise it's not good for you or the dog because that's the best thing because if there's, if there's dogs we all can't do it. it's probably dogs you can't do as well you know we're all in the oh, same yeah. boat god yeah and I always think like just take this dog away from me five minutes and I'll come back and then it's yeah. completely over it's, it's like a meltdown of a child isn't it from away and then you come back and it's all different <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And they, they're such energy feeders, the dogs yeah. as well. So if your energy is getting frustrated and stressed and then you're watching the clock and you're thinking, I've got to get yeah. this done, that's just going to be a negative spiral. I think my tip would be much the same as what George is saying, really good techniques there about having the dog come in just to have a positive five minutes, 10 minutes, and then just leave without anything happening. I yeah. think, um, again, it, it would probably, I've done, what's worked a few of my dogs that have been tricky is have them for a bath and blow dry yeah. and then go home and then come yeah. back the next day just to ask the owners to try to keep them as clean as possible. And then I would start on the face and rather than that holding beard, I don't really do that. I try and just guide with my hand so the dog can feel like it can get away if it wants to get away, but then I gently guide it back to me. So it's having yeah. a hand there to anticipate the movement, but not sort of holding on to it. Yeah. Things I like that would help because when the dog would come back in the next day, it would be a lot calmer start on the face you know then then you know right that's done because that's the part where you need them to be the calmest for isn't it oh gosh yeah definitely and then then it's managing customers expectations because you get dogs like this whereas three years down the line the behavior isn't improved you know these dogs aren't the sort of dogs that should be having these really long scissor trims you know it just wants to be a 4f trim tidy the feet you know if if the dog's getting really anxious it just needs to be a really practical haircut and then and then you know get it home and comfortable yeah completely agree okay my next one hi Verity I'm looking at becoming a dog groomer I currently work in advertising and I would love to know the best place to get trained so she lives in London, but I think this is a question that we must get asked I get asked this an awful lot all the time how how do they get trained uh, it all depends who they want to go and see and where you know where they want to go because a lot of people don't want to travel so obviously the groomer spotlight is a major thing for training schools and um where to go and in their area but it's just researching it it's mm. just looking at you know what and I think speaking to different trainers like I know there's loads of great trainers out there but some probably wouldn't bounce off my personality so it'd never work because I would struggle to learn from that person so I think I think it's just research I don't know really maybe go for a trial day somewhere yeah trial day to see if you actually actually like dog grooming because everyone wants to be a dog groomer but then when they they actually come into salon like nope not today (laughs) but um yeah I think research is the main thing and speaking to people and just going to see local dog groomers asking where they train maybe make friends with them and see if they do any like experience days or yeah great idea yeah definitely and um and my number one tip would be avoid any of the online courses oh god yeah because i mean as groomers we all know we talk about it a lot when we see the adverts pop up and we're like ah yeah 14 pound coupon vouchers yeah no stay away In this episode's Breed Focus, we're talking about the Bichon Freeze. So, Bichons are a member of a clan of little white dogs known as the Barbichon types. These also include the Maltese, Bolognese and Havanese. Their modern development was in uh, Tenerife, where they travelled on the island sailors' ships all over Europe and gained popularity with the gentry in Europe. 
where the breed developed further. They're characterized by their beautiful plush white coats and their really loving disposition. So Georgia, what they like to live with, obviously you've grown up around these dogs all your life. Would you recommend them as a breed to own? And do I need to avoid muddy walks forever with that beautiful white coat? (laughs) Oh gosh, I'm going to be shot down by the Bichon community. (laughs) Um, Obviously being brought up with a household of Bichons was kind of like a dream. It was great when you're a child because Mm. you don't see the other side of a Bichon you just see the clean white fluffy things that everyone loves they're very loving dog very very loving dog and they are great little companions for people but as soon as I left my mother's house I was like I've never owned a Bichon in my life (laughs) (laughs) and I lasted about three years before I did own a little rescue Bichon and I was just like oh they're just they're not the dog for me personally that even though they are so loving and affectionate the you can't get past the yapping and the crapping. That's, <laughs> that's what I always say. <laughs> they are such attention seekers. They just I've got two of them now, and they just yap and whine and bark, and they'll be out all day every day, and they'll go for runs, and they I got a dog walker. They'll go for a dog walk. Mm-hmm. They'll come in, and they'll literally poo in front of me in the house yeah. and I'm just like how how are you, can you get this in your head all these poodles are just so uh-huh. brilliant and then you come and poop in my house but otherwise if you can get past that they are brilliant um, yeah, I've, he- I've oh, heard this from Alison as well Alison <laughs> Rogers I'm sure she told me years ago that she had the same thing with with her Pichons. maybe it's a thing yeah they are so hard to house train lots of my clients say like how do you get them house trained like you just you just can they are such small bundles of fluff they just got their own little personalities they do whatever they want because they think yeah. they think they can get away with it yeah. but most of them can be smiling <laughs> they're smiling up at you as they're having a period oh, sorry mom <laughs> they always make eye contact i'm like uh, you can't uh, do anything uh, you can't uh, do anything i'm just like I've, I've hit the brick wall you guys you just and it's only them too they're literally obviously having 15 dogs it's obviously mm-hmm. accidents are going to happen but yeah. literally, I can put money on. I'll walk in and them to a peeping <laughs> corner or pooed wherever they want. And like, why? And then I walk in, all the poodles scarf. But like, it wasn't me, ma'am, it wasn't me. And yet the Bichon's like, yeah, I'm proud of that. That's, that was actually... <laughs> He's pointing at it, saying, <laughs> yeah, ma'am, <laughs> that's mine. <laughs> but yeah, if you can get past that, they are great little dogs. Obviously, they are white, so they, they get stinking a lot. But regular trips to the groomers, or even if you can bath them yourself, is always great. Um, and they, to be honest, they brush out really easy. So if you want to walk them down the beach or the park, a quick brush and you get home and they're white again, believe it or not. It's, they are little, lovely little dogs and get past the crapping part. <laughs> That's absolutely brilliant. They, they, uh, what about the health issues then? Do they have any sort of health issues that we need to be aware of or temperament traits that people need to consider? I mean, from my experience, I've always thought that they're really loving, you know, great yeah. little family dogs. Oh, definitely. I've ne- I've very rarely come across an aggressive Same. one. Um, yeah. With with health problems, like any dog, they've all got their own health problem issues. Mm-hmm. Eyes, where they get cataracts, is the main main thing for Bichons, I would say. But to be honest, a lot I've seen recently, puppy wise, is slipping patellas and um, stuff like that. Where we call them in the breed, they do a hop, skip, and a jump. Yeah. And when you start seeing a puppy do that, you know there's going to be issues there's when they get a bit issues, older. Yeah, with the knees. Yes. Yeah. Oh gosh, yeah. Uh, that's the probably most common thing now because it used to be cataracts. Now, you know, I don't really see that anymore either. 
been in it from for such a long time but it's the, it is the stick patellas and the hip yeah, spillers, I was gonna yeah say, I, I, as a groomer i've never owned yeah. i've never owned the breed but as a groomer i've had a lot that have had the art on both on both the yeah legs. yeah it's, it's really common really common but that's it but if you buy from a reptile breeder the, mm-hmm. all them tests should have been done and then you have a healthy puppy then so it's the best you can do really yeah and and you know i suppose with with them you'll see I see two distinct varieties that come in my salon. The ones that you can see clearly being really well bred. Yeah. And and the ones that, you know, maybe have come from a backstreet breeder or or something. I mean, I'm sure I'm sure you'll see a lot of those as well. Oh god, definitely. Being down Wales, you do see a lot of the puppy farm stigma stigmas around. Um but yeah, yeah they, at the end of the day, they're all loving dogs anyway. You can't get you can't you can't breed that out than they are all loving dogs. Even if one's the size of a hippo and one's a really nice dog, it's like you just—they've all got the same lovely temperament. They it's have. just if you want the typical Instagram show dog, you want you need to go to a replica breeder and get the right size and shape, and you will get the dog that people a lot. As you can imagine, a lot of people come in with photos they've seen from crafts, especially crafts. And every year, crafts come on. I always get hey, my dog looks like the crafts champion. I'm like. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I have seen so many memes of this go around, you know, where like a Yorkshire Terrier and it's, you know, it's, tongues, yeah. it's had all its teeth removed, so its tongue's out the side of its mouth and, it, and it's got really like hardly any hair. And then they have these beautiful cross champions with their gorgeous, can you make my dog look like this? Uh, uh, yeah, I always thought I've got to try my best. Uh, I'm best today. <laughs> Oh, so diplomatic, but yeah, we, we, you know, well, we always make the dogs look beautiful, so. Oh gosh, yeah, we try our best. <laughs> the French Revolution arrived and many Bichons were left on the streets to fend for themselves. But these clever and charming dogs caught the attention of street entertainers who found them very trainable and taught them to perform tricks. So with their looks and intelligence, they survived by landing roles in the circus. So that's my fact. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to round things off now at the end of episode three, and we're going to do a quick fire round. So I'm going to ask everybody these questions. So I really want quick, honest answers. No bull. So are you poised, Georgia? Yep, I'm ready for them. Okay, great. So dog food of choice. Boons. Fave place to walk. Beach. Number of dogs under your roof. Let's get. Let's give her a couple of minutes. <laughs> 15 <laughs> if you're a dog what breed of dog would you be oh I'd probably look like a bulldog no you do not <laughs> put yourself down don't like it <laughs> fave holiday destination uh cypress and your worst nightmare dog breed to own oh Westie. <laughs> <laughs> I was like oh please don't save me Sean that's a wrap thank you so much for joining me and georgia we would be delighted if you gave us a follow on at verity hardcastle and at louisiana underscore grooming on instagram thank you so much for joining me georgia thank you for having me verity i really enjoyed lovely bye